Hello, hello, is this thing on? Oh, hey guys, we're back. Yes, that is correct, we are back. It's been a minute and a bit. Quite a lot has changed since we, were, we last did an episode, and I've already lost count of the episode. How, what episode are we on? 38, 38. Oh, that's, that's a huge okay. number already. It is a pretty big number. Is there any players you can think of that uh, don the number 38? Not off the top of my head. I'm blanking out here. Oh, man. Okay. Well, in any case, we are back. Like I said, this is me, Michael. Joined beside me is Matthew. Mm-hmm, as always. And it's been quite an eventful uh, week in a bit. So I guess I want to say, how's your week been, man? My week, uh, it's been pretty good. Um, Kind of... Uh hasn't been that great as well because I, I got my wisdom teeth out on monday um so uh you know it's that uh recovery that uh the post post wisdom teeth uh kind of just letting it recover and like i don't know we had to push uh this week's podcast back a little because i had to let let that let that get, get a little better still kind of hurts but uh, i'm able to talk so that that's what matters right but pardon mm-hmm. me if uh if you know some of my words aren't as clear as usual it's been fine, man. I can tell you from because I mean, spoiler alert: we did do a pretty cool interview today, mm-hmm. but which we'll get no, to. No, it sounded fine. Yeah, what? We'll get to that soon. Very oh soon. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I have very bad hearing. Uh, but more importantly, I got a sun sunburn uh, last week. Really? And uh, yeah, I know you did go on vacation. And that's how yes. you got it. So uh, how was that? Oh uh, yes, it was great. Um, for those, few, oh, I don't know why I said that, but I was at Sowell Beach for the week we it's one of my favorite spots in ontario to go just wind back and relax and we've had a we've we've haven't been there in a while me and my family so we decided let's go there for a week went to this cottage that had no wi-fi no no tv access just this little uh old cottage but it was great it was a great time we just got to spend time with each other go to the beach all the time and the only downside was just getting sun sunburned and that's why it's it's I don't like being outside for the last little bit. It's like I don't want to get another sunburn. Always uh, make sure you put on your sunscreen and uh, yeah, watch yes. that. But definitely, it's a great great time to you know get get a vacation in before the the summer months are are finished. And it's crazy because it feels like you know since March we've been on a little vacation. But uh, definitely, it's 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 good to utilize our summer months uh, right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I guess really. Uh, there's been some sports stuff in between the podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, a certain team didn't do so well, and another team has been doing really well. Mm-hmm. I think opposites, you know where this complete is going. opposites. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, first before we specify what happened, uh, we have a huge uh, uh, episode in store for for you guys. Uh, we have uh, Mike Stevens, NHL analyst for uh, Yahoo Sports, joining us. Um, we've worked alongside him for for a while, so it's nice to bring him on the show um, and. Spoiler alert, the team that lost was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> they lost their qualifying round against the Columbus Blue Jackets, which, I mean, I'm pretty sure we've had a few guests on this uh, show already predict that they would, you know, easily take that series, but they didn't. But we'll talk mm-hmm. more about that, you know, with Mike uh, in that interview, so stay tuned. Um, but, I mean, Michael, I just want to know just super quickly, just what's your feelings about that round well, I was uh, at the cottage during game five and I was just barely able to get internet to be able to watch it. That was definitely one of the most frustrating uh, moments I felt as a Leaf fan. I think a lot of people would feel the same way. 
mm-hmm. it's probably up there with the most dis- disheartening loss in franchise history, especially when you consider the game four comeback. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up with the biggest goose egg in franchise history. Like it was frustrating. Oh yeah. And, ju- but I mean, silver lining is I get to enjoy the entire week of the cottage and just not really think about that loss too much. But yeah, I was, I was super frustrated and I'm sure we're going to talk about that a little bit later on, but uh, how did you feel? Uh, of course, I was super frustrated. Unfortunately, I didn't have the uh, the escape of uh, a vacation. <laughs> but um, either way, no, like uh, um, I don't know. I it, it almost feels inevitable at this point with the Leafs and with Leafs fans um, to go into elimination games and expect the worst. And I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least that's how I went into into the game. And I mean, I almost felt indifferent this time. I know last season you know, for Leafs fans, it definitely hurt a lot more, but this season, it's almost like, you know, it's like, it's just the Toronto Maple Leafs keep, uh, hurting, hurting their fans, you know, time and time again, that it's like, you know, it's, I was pretty much indifferent to it. It's kind of like, I I know what this is now and Mm -hmm. something has to change, but uh, it's no, there's no more expectations anymore. It's only pain. Only pain. <laughs> Only pain. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I would say, of course, it was disappointing, but I, I got over it pretty quickly. And um, a lot of great hockey still going on, though. Which, uh, of course, we're going to talk about uh, the Leafs more with Mike. So I do want to talk about the rest of ho- uh, hockey that's been going on. You know that this bubble has been working amazingly um, mm-hmm. in both regards, the NBA and the NHL, and the NHL bubble and the playoffs specifically. They've been so entertaining. I mean, you've got so many good uh, series going on. I mean, um, one that I really like watching uh, has been uh, Philly and Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been, you know, neck and neck, even though, you know, a lot of people didn't think that Montreal would go that far um, or even hold up that, that, that long against the top seed. And then, of yeah. course, uh, who could forget the longest, well, one of the longest games of all time. Um, with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Columbus Blue Jackets going to the fifth overtime period. That mm-hmm. was insane. So just a lot of good hockey. And uh, I want to ask you, who do you think uh, – well, who would you like to see in the finals? Um. Well, first of all, uh, it's been quite the entertaining uh, playoffs, mm-hmm. I will admit. It's obviously frustrating not to see the Leafs in it. We've already just established that. But, I mean, we've been seeing some great series. The Vancouver-St. Louis series is one oh, that's that I've great. really enjoyed watching mm-hmm. from afar. A, a little bit of a, a confession to make. Vancouver is my second favorite team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, they're pretty much proving that I've made the right choice to <laughs> make them my team to, team in the West. But uh, I guess most ideal Stanley Cup of finals would most likely be Colorado versus Tampa. But I mean, that's pretty obvious. Like those are the two high flying teams. And that'd be like, how, what what happens when two immovable objects face off against each other? Mm-hmm. There's going to be an explosion. It's going to be great. But I think if we're going to go, lo- I'm going to go a little bit off the board with this one. I would, I think let's say, let's have a chaotic matchup. How about uh, Vegas versus Montreal? That would oh. be the craziest one. <laughs> that would be crazy. I think, if Montreal just simply gets to the Stanley Cup final somehow, as you know, you can't even call them like the eighth seed in this case. They're, you know, you would say call them like the 24th place team in the whole league. Somehow they made it um, in, in these circumstances. But the fact that they can get up there is, is just crazy. And that would that would already be complete chaos, but definitely would be a really fun series. Um, 
I would love to see a Philly and Colorado series, both great teams, um, both likable teams. And, and Philly especially has really made a mark. You know, Colorado last season, a lot of people were pretty high on them. Like uh, you kind of saw that progression go out from them uh, for a few years now. But Philly really had an excellent season this uh, season. Mm-hmm. And they just came into this bubble like ready to dominate. So um, it's kind of... It's kind of questionable how they've been kind of struggling with Montreal so far when you think that would be an easier series. But uh, I think they could still have a good path to the Stanley Cup Finals. I think that would be a great, you know, Eastern Conference champion. Mm -hmm. Speaking of uh, great uh, matchups, uh, I guess we want to just quickly shift focus to the NBA. And we already mentioned that the Raptors have been doing excellent. And at the time that we're recording this, they just uh, beat the uh, Nets and they're up 3-0 in their series. I guess really what I want to talk about is just What's this team's uh, ceiling? Can this team do it again? Can they reach the finals? Or are there too many uh, obstacles in their way? Okay, I got to sit back in my chair because uh, there's a lot to talk about here, but we'll make it quick. But uh, <laughs> the whole, the story of the whole season, uh, I mean, if you've been following our podcast since episode one way back, it's that this wild card of a season, you know, has just increased our... It's almost like increased our expectations, even though our expectations have never been there. We've never had expectations. You know, Raptors fans have never had expectations for the Raptors because, you know, given what happened in the offseason with Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green leaving, um, you know, Raptors fans are just happy with the championship they won. But the fact that they've found success so easily um, without expectations has just made this season so fun to watch. And I feel like we used to say, you know, I could see the Raptors going to the second round. And then it turned into, I could see them going to the conference finals or I can go see them going to the finals. And now I really think, you know, I can see them winning the championship. Like, actually, because now it, we're, we're sitting here on Friday night. Um, the Raptors are up 3 nothing, um, And, you know, the other series are going on, on right now. But um, who's, who's going to stop, you know, the Toronto Raptors? Uh, from getting a championship the teams that come to mind are boston milwaukee and then lakers or clippers and Mm -hmm. the lakers or clippers and clippers on the in the west uh are both kind of i wouldn't say struggling but you know they've been looking off especially the lakers um ever since they entered the bubble they've been pretty off of course the the toronto maple uh, i wouldn't say the toronto maple the toronto raptors were able to dominate them in their um you know their regular season uh game in the bubble and uh, mm-hmm. got the win there, and and you know everyone wanted to write the Toronto Raptors off even then, but and make excuses for the Lakers. But I don't think there's a lot of excuses. Again, we know that the Lakers have a very uh, big depth problem. They're 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 really uh, front loaded with uh, just relying mainly on those two stars in uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But when Toronto is able, like they they were when they played against them when they were able to hold them to uh i don't have the exact number i think a combined like 23 points or something like that it was a low number especially combined um when you're able to contain those two superstars um and again they have you know a lack of depth after uh that and i mean danny green we we love danny green because he was a toronto raptor but he really hasn't been uh playing that great in the bubble and uh it's been tough uh so i i you know they're not really as much of a threat as i would have assumed at first and uh then when you're looking at the clippers i mean the mavericks are a great team and i told you told you about this before they're just Mm -hmm. looking like a great team with luka Doncic. uh i would say maybe they're just a little more underrated than 
people are just saying, you know, the Clippers are struggling, but maybe I'm still a little scared of the Clippers. But the Bucks, the Bucks as well have uh, they lost Game One and by a sizable margin. Of course, they bounced back in Game Two against the Orlando Magic, but you know, there's still a lot of holes there, especially Chris Middleton, who did not have a good game in uh, Game Two. Uh, Giannis kind of carried that team uh, still to a win, of course, alongside you know Eric Bledsoe, um, but. You know, there's still a lot of questions on there, and the Raptors are just a depthful team who can, you know, has like four to five guys who can put you up, put up 15 to 20 points any given night that you need. So, I don't know. I think they can go all the way. I couldn't agree more, man. I definitely think this team's got what it takes, and I think they've been they've given us the benefit of the doubt because of uh, how well they played last year. Um, I've been very uh, happy with how they've been playing, and I think that's. Like that's just been a testament to uh, the the work that's been done uh, by Masai to build the culture that's been established for the last couple of years, and just how much success this team has had, and they continue to have even in spite of a, such a monumental loss. Like, it's not many teams are able to recover from losing their best player in the NBA. But yet, look at the Raptors; they might be able to do it again without their best player. That says that says a lot about the team that they have assembled, and I think that that makes them really exciting to watch. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do for the next couple of years. And hey, you know what? Next year in 2021, there might be some players uh, coming coming over mm-hmm. across the border. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this as well. I mean, given the fact that you mentioned that you know not a lot of teams can uh, bounce back from losing a star player, and I just want to say like. Of course, last year, everyone was writing off the Raptors, even though they won the championship. Everyone wants to give the Raptors an asterisk because, uh, you know, the the Golden State Warriors had a number of injuries, you know, to Kevin Durant and then uh, DeMarcus Cousins and then Klay Thompson. But just look at how depthful of a team the Toronto Raptors were. And in sports, teams should be built depthful and uh, I mean, of course, one way to win is, I guess, front-loading your team. But clearly, we've seen that it can go wrong uh, really easily. And you look at a depthful team like the Raptors, and even though they lose a star, they're still, like, I'd say even better because they had that team built. And if we look at other stars who have left, you know, LeBron James, whenever he left the Cleveland Cavaliers, they just sank straight to the ground. Um <laughs> Whenever, you know, even this season with the Golden State Warriors, uh, nobody left, but even with injuries, they sank straight to the ground. The Toronto Raptors mm-hmm. did not. They actually rose, and that is something spectacular to see. Um, but enough about the Raptors. I do also want to just ask you about, how, what do you think about the other, uh, your your overall impression about the other uh, matchups in the uh, NBA bubble? Well, I think I told you this before we started recording, but... Uh... If there's one team that could potentially pull off an upset, it's most likely the Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. And I look at that team w- with Damian Lillard, and that's a team that uh, has not like a lot to prove, or just like they don't have much expectations on them. So, with a team that's that's loose and with no pressure on them to do anything, who's to say that they can't uh, shock the world and take make, make LeBron and Anthony Davis leave early? That mm-hmm. that team is capable, and we've been seeing it in uh, scrimmage game, like the uh, exhibition games, or whatever you want to call them. I can't remember, but the Blazers have been playing with a chip on their shoulder, sit in the bubble, and I've been really excited to see what what they can do, because Damian will just looks like someone that really could use a championship, and I think this is the kind of situation where, like, if he can somehow knock off the Lakers, 
imagine how much confidence it would give them going further into the playoffs. Like that's a team that could do some damage. And I lo- I literally look forward to seeing this uh, Clipper, like this Lakers uh, Blazer series go how how it goes because it looks like it could there could be it could be more than just like a oh a chip like a a mosquito on the Lakers arms and they swat it away. For I sure. feel like there's more gonna, there's more than that. For sure, and I mean I could speak about I could talk about Damian Lillard all day, but it's crazy because every time he gets doubted, he just plays that much better, and uh, that's exactly what he did this. Uh, this season in this bubble i mean obviously is the bubble mvp but um it's just crazy because i think i don't know i i don't know if everyone's just forgetting or they just want to write them off but they went all the way to the conference finals last season and um you know they didn't have the greatest season that they expected this season but damian lillard honestly a lot on a lot of nights especially in the bubble he single-handedly carried that blazers team straight into the playoffs and he is definitely like He's exploded into, I mean, we kind of knew he was a top 10 player, but, you know, everyone had their doubts. And I, I definitely even had my doubts about putting him exactly where I want to rank him. Of course, he was a top 10 player this season. Does that put him in the top 10 of the entire league, you know, permanently? And now I'm starting to think for sure, because I'm honestly looking at him as a top, you know, top three point guard right now, like for sure. I mean, maybe even top two. And the only person right now I don't think he can touch is, Steph Curry and of course Steph Curry mm-hmm. didn't really play this season so I'm not even mentioning this season alone but uh I mean that's given what Steph Curry was able to achieve in his time already but Damian Lillard is in terms of dominance is right there mm-hmm. I agree hey quick question wasn't he drafted in the 2012 draft yes he was you know what that, know that seems like this. the perfect time to transition <laughs> into our draft redo that's right folks we did not forget about that series it is back with a vengeance, mm-hmm. Let's we took do this a thing. we took a three week break from it um, because we had before before our two week break we had a very special episode on uh, and on uh, racial issues in, in sports. So again, if you guys haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it. But going back to the uh, to the uh, draft, um, yeah, I mean we we have been doing this. If you haven't been following along, we've been doing this every uh, every week. We've been doing a new like the next year of the uh, draft, we've been redrafting the draft. We started with the NHL drafts and now we're doing the NBA drafts. This And today mm-hmm. we have the 2012 NBA redraft. So how we do it is, I mean, we just uh, alternate picks. One of us gets the first pick, one of us gets the second pick and so on. And we kind of build a team that way and we just do the top 10 just to keep it nice and concise. Yep. Uh, we're going to try to keep these uh, explanations of why we picked each player short because we just do have a lot to get to go over. And uh, we want to make sure that you guys don't uh, uh, miss out on uh, everything else we have in store for you mm-hmm. today, especially the Mike Stevens interview, which, as you have can tell by how, we, how much we've been hyping it up, it's going to be a great discussion. But anyway, let's get right into the draft. Uh, this time, I'm going to be picking first. Uh, you're going to be picking second. We're mm-hmm. just going to go back and forth, and we'll go from there. Okay, so let's get right into it. Mikey, you're up. I think there this player needs no introduction, and he doesn't really need much of an explanation of why he was picked. He's going to be taken first again, but the first overall pick in the 2012 NBA draft is going to be taken first in the 2012 redraft, and that's Anthony Davis. Excellent pick. I mean, again, I don't even want to get it. I don't even. I don't even think we need to get into the stats with him. He's been, you know, a perennial MVP candidate. On a, on a number of occasions this year he's teamed up with uh lebron james in la and you know kind of finally found that uh missing piece uh 
for success. Even in his time uh, with New Orleans, uh, he's he's found a lot of success, of course. Um, let me pull up some of his stats, but I mean, just just honestly, just a great pick and literally one of the top ten players in this uh, league year in year out. Mm-hmm. I've been very impressed with his development. Uh, overall, he's been great to watch. Uh, it's been a shame that it didn't really work out in New Orleans, but it, I, I feel like he's found a great home in uh, Los Angeles. He's been he's been um, he's been comp- a great compliment to LeBron James, and that team seems to be doing well too. I mean, I, I'm saying I'm not trying to discredit the Lakers, but they still have something great going. And for sure. if they could, they do have what it takes to win a championship. That's for sure. For sure, and uh, just quickly, uh, uh, you know, in terms of achievements, he's a seven-time NBA All Star. Um, dating back to 2014, um, he's been a three-time All NBA First Team member, um, All NBA All Defensive First Team in 2018. Um, just a whole lot of you know achievements, and uh, you know, let's not forget that guys in this draft are only you know reaching 20, 26, 27, 28 right now. So, you know, he's still very young, and again, he has a big decision this uh, off season to make. Um, I'm I have no doubt that he'll pick the Lakers, but still. Um, you know, just a perennial superstar. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't think he needs any further explanation. He's mm-hmm. been the best paid player in this draft. And uh, I think maybe the next player on this, uh, in this draft is probably going to challenge him, but I, I think he's still good at number one. So why don't yeah. you take the second pick? You know, I was going to say, uh, you kind of made my job a little easier here because honestly, when I was doing my rankings for this draft, these uh, one and two, were uh, really interchangeable, and it was really hard for me to decide who who would go first and who would go second. Um, but of course, I'm going to go with who we just spoke about before we started this draft, Damian Lillard, who originally went sixth overall in the draft. And uh, excellent pick. Again, like we've spoken about, I think the thing is, he Anthony Davis has been dominant, you know, a dominant superstar since he got into this league. Damian Lillard had a more, you know, upwards trajectory in terms of his career you know he had to kind of develop a little more to the point he is where he's at now but you know Damian Lillard might I say could be the better player than Anthony Davis and that's why I'm so glad that I could get him at second either way you can't go wrong with either of the players but the fact that he's kind of taking as the number one option on this um Portland Trailblazers teams for the for the last number of years and he's being so dominant and he's kind of you know bringing them to such great heights I mean last last season you know the conference finals and this season even if he can upset a los angeles lakers team um that's you know the favorites to win um that would be amazing too but it's definitely easy to see that now he has solidified himself in that superstar category and like i said even a top two point guard in this league mm-hmm. it's something i wanted to bring up earlier uh, but didn't get a chance to i just want to say if damian lillard wins a championship at some point in his career would you say he's one of the best point guards of all time? Um, well, he's still young, so we still have to see what he can achieve. Um, again, that's that's a that's a big, you know, a big title to try and put on him. But given the trajectory he he's going, again, he'll need to win a few championships just to get that. I don't think one will suffice. But um, I I wouldn't say I I think just you know given his, you know. Steph Curry's impact on the game, I think he'll always be seen as a higher regard, but Damian Lillard will, he could end as one of the top point guards of all time. If he, you know, if he gets, if he wins some championships and is able to, you know, make that, um, make those changes on a team. 
Mm, I agree. And you know, it's funny you mentioned the Warriors in championship because that pretty much spoils who I'm going to be taking with the third overall pick. Uh, I don't need to go further into details about him. Say what you will about him, but he's still a great player. Draymond Green. Excellent pick. I mean, again, a lot of people have kind of written him off the last couple of seasons, but I still say he's one of the best defensive players in this league easily. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's just still reliable. Of course, this season he's, I mean, the whole Warriors team has been kind of a a wreck this year. So I'll write him off on that at least. But what a draft steal. I mean, second round, uh, 35th overall in the draft. And, and, you know, he's a perennial all-star in this league. Um, uh, Three-time all-star, three-time NBA champion. And really his defense is where he comes in clutch. You can't go wrong with, you know, selecting one of the best defense players in the league. Mm Mm-hmm. I totally agree, and I think he plays a big part in why the Warriors were able to win all those championships uh, from 2015 to 2018. If if even even though the, this year was a bit of a, a maybe an anomaly, I think they'll still be in contention for the next few years. And I think if they're going to be winning more championships, it's going to be because of Draymond Green. They, he's sure. definitely important to their team. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, with my fourth pick, I'm going to take the, our first drop, but only a minor drop in the. Uh, in the uh, draft here, but uh, in terms of second options, I'd say one of the best second options in the league and definitely an all-star uh, star player in his own right, but uh, from the Washington Wizards, Bradley Beal. Excellent pick, man. That's mm-hmm. really good. He originally went third, and uh, he drops to fourth here, but uh, again, a two-time NBA all-star the last two seasons. Uh, not this season, unfortunately, but again, um, we've got we've uh we've been able to see what he can do this season you know without john wall and as the number one option in uh washington and this season i mean let's not forget he had his best season as a number one option this year of course washington didn't you know succeed this season but they he averaged 30.6 points per game and that's that's pretty insane mm-hmm. it's been crazy He's, he you only know, played 57 that- games though but still Mm-hmm. Remember that time around the, the trade deadline when people were were very convinced that he was going to be leaving the Wizards and get Raptors fans getting excited like, ooh, we can get Bradley Beal in a trade. <laughs> Those were fun times. I definitely th- still think he is on the trade market, uh, especially given the current state of Washington. But we'll see. He's definitely up, uh, you know, a star. I agree. All right, so uh, let's get this going a little quicker here. Yes. Uh, this third, this fifth pick is also a star in his own right, and he's also another big jump. I think he was easily a steal in this draft, and that's Chris Middleton of the Milwaukee Bucks. Great player. I mean, I know I mentioned that he's been kind of struggling in these uh, playoffs uh, the last couple games, but definitely a great player. He's been really good this season, really, really good this season, and um, <laughs> really, you know, a great second option in general for Giannis. Um, I do hope that, you know, he can – give him more support because you know in the playoffs when it comes to when it actually has to get done he has some holes but definitely a great pick and, and obviously an all-star this year mm-hmm. absolutely agree man and i he's been great i i, I remember doing that series against the bucks i was always a little bit nervous when he was going up for shots because i was certain a lot of times he was going to put it in he's mm-hmm. a good player let's not discredit him he's definitely w- worthy of where he's at and he's definitely earned his keep and I think Milwaukee's found something special in uh, Chris Middleton. Mm-hmm. So now, uh, with the uh, with the sixth uh, pick in this in this draft in this redraft, I'm going to take uh, Andre Drummond. Ooh, mm-hmm. so that's a good pick. Uh, we're kind of we, there's kind of been a little drop in star quality here, but still a lot of uh, you know quality players there. And, and Andre Drummond is still an all star 
two-time All-Star both in 2016 and 2018. And again, of course, he got he got traded from Detroit to Cleveland um, in the past season. But um, still, you know, a great defensive player who's been able to bring a lot to his team. Yep, I definitely agree. Like, say what you will about Andre Drummond, but I think he still provides value in his defensive game. And I think that definitely is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's still a lot of value to be had in him. If he had a better shot, I think he'd be much higher in this draft draft class. But hey, there's still there's still room for players like that, like him in the NBA. So I think he's definitely earned his keep. Mm-hmm, for sure. And now you're up. Number eight. I don't think uh, number seven actually. Number seven, Sorry, yeah. I, was, I was jumping the gun a little bit no there. Worries. Ooh. Uh, another uh, former warrior uh, has had a bit of an d- interesting career, but uh, I think he's definitely good for uh, seventh which is actually where he was drafted in real life, Harrison Barnes. Yep, that's where I had Harrison Barnes as well, and uh, definitely a very solid uh, role player, especially. You know, he's great off the bench, or he could even play, um, you know, in a starting position, which he has played. Um, Just a great player that can, uh, you know, you can really depend on, and a proven winner. But uh, we'll definitely see how his career continues to pan out now he's in, uh, he's landing in Sacramento. It'll be be interesting to see if he can... uh become like a more consistent starter in Sacramento. Maybe he's got something going there, or maybe he'll do it somewhere else. For sure. Um, with my eighth pick, I'm going to take a, a former Toronto Raptor here, and that is uh, Terrence Ross, who Ooh. also went eighth when in the actual draft. Um, but yeah, now he plays for the Orlando Magic, and he's still putting up buckets. He's been great, man. You know what? I will say this. I really enjoyed Terrence Davis when he was on the Raptors. Terrence it was Ross. such a shame to Terrence Ross. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I don't know why I'm talking. I'm confusing no worries, Terrence no Ross and Anthony Davis. That's a new player, guys. <laughs> Terrence Davis. Welcome to the Raptors. Uh, Terrence, Terrence Davis is a Raptor. Wait. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Don't worry. It's been That's- a jumbled up week for everyone. <laughs> it, yeah. This is just the we're just getting we're shaking off the rust. Uh, but yes, Terrence Ross. He was a great Raptor. I thought it was it was a shame to see him go. But, you know, wasn't he part of the uh, Serge Ibaka trade? Yeah, he was. So uh, he he was the major piece to uh, help land Sergi Baca. You know what? In that sense, I think he was. I think he was good for the time, and just the fact that we got such a viable player in Sergi Baca. For, I mean, the Raptors got a viable player in Sergi Baca. That was great for them. For sure. And let's not forget, he uh, was the slam dunk contest winner in 2013, the first Raptor to win it since Vince Carter. Let me ask you this before we move on. Do you think he he's one of the most interesting players to hit 50 points in a game? For sure. Let's let's not forget that game. That was uh crazy, but yeah, especially considering he's a, he is a bench player. Um and he scored that, you know. That was insane. But uh yeah, and uh yeah, Terrence Davis, shout out to Terrence Davis, also a uh great player for the Raptors. Is that going to be a joke, <laughs> a meme now for this podcast? Terrence Davis is a Raptor. Yep. <laughs> he is not the newest Raptor and uh I'm I'm a little bit slow, guys. I, I'm no, it's not your fault. I mean, I mean, Terrence Davis is uh has been playing great in this bubble, so uh, oh, he's been course, on your yeah. mind. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Um, <laughs> so you're number nine with nine, yeah. Yeah, uh, this one's gonna be pretty easy. I was I was worried. I was not sure if this player was gonna be available, but uh, after you took Terrence Ross, uh, this uh, it's easy for me to do. Uh, that's going to be Jay Crowder. Awesome, Jay Crowder, another uh, great player. Um, especially on the defensive end, um, really a really solid, dependable player that you could uh, really you know depend on, especially coming off your bench. Right now he plays for the Miami Heat, but I think most of his uh, you know a lot of his a lot of his 
you know, prime was, was when he was in Boston and when in Cleveland as well. Um, you know, great, yeah, just a great player overall. Absolutely agree. Uh, great player. I think he's definitely one of those players that definitely knows his role and he's fulfilled it very well everywhere he's been. Like, there's nothing, you can't go wrong with a guy like that. When you sign a guy like that, you know he's going to be providing good de- depth. He'll be most likely coming off the bench. And he, that's still valuable in this league. And uh, I think he's made a career out of it and it's worked out well for him. For sure, for sure. And uh, I guess I'm up with the final, with the 10th and final pick in this uh, draft. And uh, I'm going to take it back to uh, another Orlando Magic player. And I'm going to take Evan Fournier. Very good pick. Mm-hmm. Again, Very good. Uh, Evan Fournier, I mean, we've seen him play. He's been play pretty solid in this uh, first round series against the Bucks too. But uh, yeah, what can I say about him? You know, just a solid, dependable role player um, that, you know, really he, he has been a big help for... Uh, the magic on the offensive end and considering he was taking 20th overall that's a pretty good uh pick for uh you know his caliber player he's not a star or anything but he's very dependable and he jumps up here to 10th in our draft you know it's funny i was just looking back at our draft list it looks pretty sim very much the same as uh, the draft that i was writing down mm-hmm. there was only like maybe one minor change like the the eighth and ninth spot but otherwise pretty pretty accurate i say that that's a testament like the top players we know where the top players are and obviously, if, if we really wanted to keep going, it would, it would the, the town would just drop off tremendous, like spectacularly. <laughs> a lot of stars in this draft, though, as we see in the top five, especially um, a lot of impact players. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was a really solid draft overall. Mm-hmm. I say that was pretty good. Uh, next week, hopefully, we will be doing the 2013 NBA draft. Ooh. And when I say hopefully, it's like we always say, "Oh, we're going to do the draft," and then uh, something crazy happens and we can't do it. But I, I'm we're going to make sure. Try- I'm cringing because we know the first overall pick from that draft is arguably one of the biggest busts of all time. <laughs> a Canadian though, a Canadian though. So shout out Anthony Bennett. You were a Raptor for some time too. Um, Imagine if you take him first <laughs> overall again. Maybe I should, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think there's a really clear pick for next, uh, next draft, but that's yeah. next week. So tune in then, but now we spent a lot of time in this intro. Let's get into the meat of this podcast episode, um, which is our interview with Mike Stevens, NHL analyst for Yahoo Sports Canada. So uh, how about we go into that now? back today on the show we are very pleased to be joined by mike stevens he's currently an nhl analyst for yahoo sports after covering the toronto maple leafs and the toronto marlies for a few years at both the leafs nation and editor and leaf and we can also say that he was our former boss at editor and leaf mm-hmm. welcome to the show mike how are you doing i'm doing great guys how about you awesome i'm doing awesome i mean uh yeah. we kind of spoke about it before but the raptors just won uh game three of their first round series so mood's good um, obviously we'll talk a lot about the other Toronto team on the other end of the, uh, scale there, but yeah, mm. things have been going good this week. That's good been to great. Hear. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for us too. Um, before we just really get into the media things, we just want to ask you, uh, what made you want to get into sports media and tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, you know, to be honest, I was, 
I didn't, I, I didn't go to school for sports media. I went to U of T for political science and American studies. And so my, my initial plan was to be a lawyer, to go to law school. Um, and mm-hmm. I, was, I was working uh, you know, at some internships downtown. And I, one of them, uh, it was about you know, five years ago, I think, four or five years ago. I mm-hmm. think. I don't know. Time is a construct at this point. They, they <laughs> doesn't, doesn't even. Um, but and my job was kind of to wait on people to get back to me. Like, like I was overseeing a project for this company, and I was waiting for people to get back to me and I was just so bored and I thought if this is going to be kind of what the rest of my life is like I hate this and I've always like I would always be interested I always wanted to be like in sports media like I grew up idolizing the broadcasters over the players really like it you know sports you know sports center and and sports net connected and all that every every morning you know reading reading countless articles all that kind of stuff and Mm -hmm. I thought you know like there's no better time right now where I have to wait for people to get back to me all the time than to just give it a shot so I uh funny enough I I um, message someone who was at Fansided, being like, "Hey, I'll write for free. Like, just kind of want to get my name out there." Um, it ended up, you know, being good. And I ended up starting to starting to write for Editor and Leaf, and then uh, kind of built my way up from there. And and it was great. But yeah, no sports. Like, I, I just I wasn't really passionate about what I was studying, and I wasn't really passionate about what I was working in. Um, and as someone who was who was you know trying to map out the rest of the rest of my life, I just went, you know what, I want to do what my passion is I want to do what makes me happy as and try and make that into a career and I've been lucky enough to to be able to do that to this point hopefully you know they don't realize their their gross mistake and and uh you know reverse it but yeah it's it's been great <laughs> of course yeah. of course that's an awesome uh story there yeah and uh, uh I was gonna say um I mean of course you you probably felt really scared to like drop like the you know kind of the career path that you were already you spend so much time getting into and then you know at that point just trying to switch gears almost completely like what was that like i'm sure it was really nerve-wracking it was it was a leap for sure and i mean my dad always makes fun of me for it because i always run stuff by him and he and when i got offered the job for uh like to to run editor and leaf it's it was a lot of work like you had to write something every single day oversee all this stuff it was it was crazy and i was i still was like i'm finishing my degree i'm getting that like i've worked hard enough for this so i did i worked ended up working like full-time and media and going to school full-time too which was i would not recommend that that i essentially didn't sleep for two straight years but he always makes he always makes funny fun of me or not fun of me but like he always pokes fun at that he's given me great advice my entire life but the one time he told me not to do something that i should have was um <laughs> was taking that job but yeah no it was it was definitely a leap like actually you know considering that the industry and even now it, it's it's kind of contracting but at the time it was it was really contracting and so it was mm-hmm. it was tough but i just you know like i, I you just it, look at you you look at the rest of your life because you i was at uh, you know when i started making this choice i was 20 21 or something you're at a point where you know you got to look at the rest of your life and, and kind of map it out and see what you want to do mm-hmm. and i just wasn't happy with where i was and i thought this is what i've always wanted to do and you know like why not and i did and it's 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 worked out pretty well so far so i'm i'm could not be happier absolutely man and uh for those people at home it's like obviously when you're at the stage of our lives where we're in our early to mid twenties, just trying to figure out to what to do with the rest of our lives. Uh, it's always a big jump to have to go from something that's like securely financial, like whatever, what you were doing. And then mm-hmm. to go to this, to this, this industry that's uh, in a tough spot. But when, when you know what you want to do and you pursue it, who cares? It's going right. to be a fun at the end. Exactly. 100%. If you're, if you're happy, it's essentially prioritizing happiness. Like if you're happy, if you if you're doing you're doing what you love then and you're happy every day like it, the 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 moniker you know if you're if you do if you love what you do then you never work a day in your life 
and it's fine. Like th then that that's true, and that you should absolutely try and strive for that if, if possible. Because I just looked at, like I said, I looked at, you know, what I was doing, and I'm like, if I have to do this for the next like 50 years or something, you know, depending on how much much time I have left on on this earth, then you know, I'm I'm not going to be happy. So yeah, it, it worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. So uh, tell us a little bit about that grind, though, because obviously your journey to Yahoo now is uh, somewhat similar to kind of the path me and Michael have been taking. Um, in the fact that you wrote for both uh, editor and Le editor and Leaf and uh, the Leafs Nation, um, and what was that kind of progression like through your career? No, it was it was interesting, right? Like you just basically what happened is I started writing for editor and Leaf, like started writing for free, and then uh, I realized. This was in 2017, I think. So, and I and I realized, you know, the the rookie tournament was at um, uh, Rico at the time, Rico Coliseum in Toronto. And so I thought, no one's really covering this, like at least at least on like in, in a, the blog kind of aspect of things, no one's really covering this. So I literally just bought tickets for like every game that weekend, brought my laptop, went down there, and there wasn't like a ton of people there. And the the arena has like these sort of lean on these like platform kind of things, like you where you can put a laptop. It's kind of like a standing desk. And so I just put it there and I essentially just took notes and then wrote about it and covered it kind of without a media pass. And then, um, and then sort of started chatting with some actual media people that were there and then eventually got the email address of um, the, uh, the Marley's PR person and it kind of presented, you know, what my uh, a coverage plan would be for that season. And she said, great. And there we go. And I started, you know, covering the Marley's. And that really gave me some awesome experience into what covering, you know, professional hockey beat was like. And building relationships with, uh, you know, players who are, you know, now on the Leafs or, or were on the Leafs. And, and it was, it, it was just really good. But at the same time doing like doing full-time school and, and, you know, writing for editor and leaf, managing the, managing the site, covering the Marley's beat, all, all that kind of stuff. It was really, it, it was a grind, right? Like you, you, mm -hmm. you, I, I'm not someone who likes to kind of half asses anything. So mm -hmm. it was kind of having to, to whole ass two things at the same time was, bit of a, a bit of like a yeah it was, it was a grind and like I said it, it really kind of took a toll on uh on like the mental health aspect of everything like I just really wasn't taking care of myself and and uh you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't recommend anyone doing that like obviously go pursue your dreams and pursue your passions but you know how if it gets in the way of of your health you know or your or your well-being then maybe you know dial it back a bit or do what's best for you but uh yeah no it 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 was really, it was really good. Um, it, it really kind of taught me a lot. Like it, at Editor and Leaf, you know, uh, you have to the job that I had. You have to write at least one thing every day, and and so it was kind of like just getting reps in all the time. And so I was, mm -hmm. I just for two straight years, I, I wrote you know, at least once every day. And so it, it, you really got get that get those reps in, and and you kind of don't have time to really get your head too much about what you're writing. You you just if you're not happy with something, you go okay, well I'll just do better tomorrow and you, you get that feel. And so now like when something happens, it really helped me kind of find like that find inspiration quick. I don't know. It, it was, it was really good. And, and, and it was a, it, it was kind of a trial by fire and, and uh, yeah, it, it was, it was great. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, just for the listeners at home, uh, it's very important to have self-care, especially just making sure mm -hmm. your own mental and physical health is in good shape. Uh, so don't ever think you're putting, pushing yourself too hard. Uh, if you need that break, take that break there's not there's no shame in that mm -hmm. and i i wanted to, I, oh go ahead no i was gonna say i i love that point from you uh i wasn't even gonna talk about it because uh i mean especially in our industry like they always tell you you know it's it's really like you know experience-based uh you know people have to make portfolios or have work out there and 
people are always, you know, being told to keep grinding and, you know, always keep working and things like that. And obviously it's important, like, um, you know, to get those stories and get your reporting done, but you need time to, you know, for self-care. And I think that's so important, especially for anyone trying to get into, you know, sports media or journalism or in that industry uh, specifically. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And like, yeah, it's, it's very, very important to, to recognize what's, what's, what your limits are and what's best for you. And you're right. There is that sort of like, you know, mentality, you have to always be grinding, but it like, it's, it's, quantity at the end of the day like you can put as you can put as much stuff out as possible and this is one thing that i really kind of didn't agree with with the whole fan-sided you know business plan is like prioritize you know qu- uh, quantity over quality and you can put as you can put you know 50 articles out a day but if they're all bad then they're going to be all bad right so you just don't it's better to put yourself in a position to succeed and if that means you know maybe you know taking some stuff off your plate so the other things can kind of have more room to thrive then that's the way to do it mm-hmm exactly i just want to change gears for a second uh you were mentioning uh in uh your your and your grind uh trying to get from editor and lead to where you are now uh a 2016 tournament and i believe that there is a certain player that uh caught your eye in that tournament (laughs) (laughs) i wonder where this is going (laughs) (laughs) so i think you know where this is going uh and i think the list most people uh that have paid attention to you know the know this story but for the listeners at home that maybe have no idea what we're talking about, why don't you explain to it to us? Uh, to us uh, yeah, sure. So he was, yeah. So I, I was covering the the 2017 uh, uh, rookie tournament, and I was I was you know watching uh, watching the games that the Leafs prospects were playing, and at the time there weren't like a crazy amount of of like marquee. I mean, this was Lilligren's debut, and so that was interesting. But um, yeah, and so and and but I noticed one guy who kind of just stood above the rest. And it was a little guy by the name of Trevor Moore. And, um, and I was like, I really like the way this guy plays. Like he's not, you know, he's, he, he's just like really tenacious. His back check is fantastic. He doesn't. And one thing that I really found with prospects too, I always use this example whenever I talk about this is, is Kirby Reichel at the time. He was 23 in that season, 23 or 24, reaching that, that stage where you kind of have to, are you, are you still a prospect or you need to be in NHL? Or like you're really kind of, it's kind of a, 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 you know, a make or break moment. And he would kind of, he would rack up goals, but he would kind of cheat for them. You know, he'd, he'd sacrifice coverage to get in a good spot or something like that. Um, Trevor Moore, even though he was the same age, he never did that. He, like if he, if he had to, he didn't care what his numbers were as long as they were kind of helping the team. He really bought into uh, the structure. I really, I just really liked the way he played. I didn't know, I don't know what it was. Maybe I'm, it's because I'm a, I'm a short guy too. So like I, I just felt solidarity with him. But I was like, I really like the way this guy plays. And he seems like he's really set up. And he won a – he just entered the development camp as like a walk-on and, and earned an entry-level contract. Like the three players who signed entry-level contracts after the um, – after the 20 – I think it was 2016 um, Leafs development camp were Mitch Marner, Adam Brooks, and Trevor Moore. You know, so it was – he was in pretty distinguished company. And mm-hmm. he had a great tournament. And then I covered him on the Marlies that year. And – he was kind of instrumental in helping um, them win the Calder Cup. And, and and ever since then, I've really, you know, he's really had a soft swap for me. I really believe in him as a player. And, you know, he's not spectacular or anything, but he was just kind of my guy. And, and uh, yeah, and he's, he was a pleasure to deal with in the media, too. Always gave great answers, was always really kind, you know, around the ranks. So, yeah, you, you don't want to, you know, like pick favorites and everything when you're, you know, in, in the media. And I'm not, you know, I, I, I try and hide behind the sheen of, yeah, I'm unbiased, but everyone knows, like, you know, Leafs, whatever. 
But um, <laughs> but Trevor, but come on, but Trevor Moore is. I mean, he's he's just like an all around great player, and uh, you know it was it's heartbreaking to see him leave, but it did get us Jack uh, Jack Campbell, which was not too shabby. So yeah, but he's yeah he's great, and I'm, I'm sure he's gonna tear it up in, in LA for sure, of course. And uh, I mean, I want to ask you. Um, even on top of that story, but during your time covering the Marlies, uh, do you have any crazy memories or fond, fond memories uh, that, that, that you can remember from then? Uh, of course, everyone loves to talk about, you know, uh, covering the Leafs and things like that, but I know there's, there's a lot that, you know, people might miss out or cool things that people, uh, you know, see in, in, in the Marlies, really. Yeah, like, I mean, they, that was that was a really fun team to cover. Like, they were, it was a very young team, but they were also really good, so... Uh, it was, and you know, this was Keith when I think he really kind of came into his own as a coach and yeah, it was, it was a really fun year, um, to, uh, uh to cover with them. I, a couple were, so like, for example, I, this one always sticks out in my mind where Adam Brooks didn't score. This was his rookie season. Um, and he didn't score a goal for like his first goal until new year's Eve of that year. It was, I remember it was a new year's Eve game. Um, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Bracco, they were their best buds and Jeremy Bracco, uh, was like, he was scratched for that game. I don't think it was like performance wise. He just like wasn't playing. He was getting a rest day or whatever. And Brooks finally scored in that game. And it was like the entire team was like so happy. Like I remember Travis Dermott just like lifted him up. It was, it was hilarious. And I remember because the way that we have to wait for the, uh, like to, for the scrums is kind of outside their dressing room. So we watched them kind of like walk back into the dressing room while we're waiting there. And Bracco was in a suit and Brooks came in last because he was doing, you know, like a, the walk off interview because he was like the first star of the game. And Bracco just took a running, like a running start, and just leaped into Brooks's arms, like just full, like full speed, to the point where, like, if he, like, Brooks had no choice but to catch him, or else he would have just gone like completely past him. It was hilarious, and so yeah, it was just really great. Like, um, trying to think of what else. Like, there was one time we were interviewing Andreas Janssen, and Travis Dermott came up from behind us and was just like, "Oh, like hockey," like in a Swedish accent, and made him laugh, stuff like that. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. I met a lot of great people. Um, yeah, during that time, like a lot of you know friends, like for you know for example, like you know Scott Wheeler is a great friend of mine. I met him there. Haley Salvin is one of my best friends, and met her along along that B two. It was just a great experience. Really, 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 really good for um, for experience in the industry. Taught me a lot, and uh, yeah, I, I really cherish those memories. It's great. I'm, I miss it sometimes. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and there's 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 no shame in uh, saying, hey, I cover a minor hockey team. Because there's always some fun to be had. There's always some uh, interesting story angles that could be uh, found in those games. And those are just two great stories. Um, I want to ask you, since you're on the subject, what was probably the funniest uh, interview you had during your time covering the Marlies? Ooh. Ooh, funniest interview. Well, there is, what was great is, like, it's always great when you get the players in a good mood. And so like, I remember I was at, I was, uh, at like, practices. The practices, like, when the season was over but the playoffs hadn't started yet, were great because everyone's kind of just loose and, and really kind of preparing for it. And this was right when Fortnite came around. So I just asked like a bunch of players all about Fortnite. And it was really funny to ask the veterans about it because they were just um, – because they, they really did try to, to, you know, be cool with the players, with the younger guys and play it, but they just didn't know. I remember like Ben Smith, for example, was, I, was, I asked him, you know, you know, like how did you do on Fortnite? He's like, I played it one time. I walked around for 15 minutes and I died and I huh. came like 17th or something. I thought that was pretty good. And I'm like – I'm like, that's great, man. What was your what was your favorite place to drop? And he's just like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't know any of that. I just walked around. It was it was fun. Like, it was, you know, yes, it's a job and everything. But like, these are you have to remember, like, these are humans. Like, Travis Dermott, for example, is the like the best quote possible. Like, he's a reporter's dream. He always 
gives you great answers. He's always really funny. The best, I would say the best interview was right after they won the cup, uh, the Calder cup. Um, I was on the ice. I was next to Gord Brown. Um, I think he was a barn burner at the time. And Travis Dermott was like celebrating everything and, and, and he was about to go, get off the ice. And so Gord, I was right next to Gordon. Gord and I were just like, Hey Travis, like, what are you going to do when you get in the, uh, get in the dressing room now that you won the color cup and he just looked us right in the eye and said, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to kiss every guy on the mouth and then just left. And it was great. <laughs> so yeah, just like, just a really fun group of guys. That was awesome. definitely a very yeah. fun team to watch uh, from afar too. And I mean, you saw, we, we obviously knew like how frustrating it was to watch that uh, 2018 Leafs team uh, lose to the Bruins and then the Raptors. We don't want to talk about that, but just to see a, tr- tr- a Toronto team uh, like from MLSC, I, was that the year the TFC won their championship too? I can't remember. Uh, I think it was no, no. I think it was the year before that they did. Oh, okay, yeah. So that, that's what I'm saying. Like that was a the it's one a team moment. that uh, yeah, the one of the one fun Toronto team to watch that year. That's for sure. For yeah, sure, it was that was fun, and that was like the first of the the two consecutive uh, Boston first round flameouts in Game Seven, and it was uh, yeah. So like Leafs fans at that time, there was so much hope around like the prospects on that team. Um, so it was, it, it, there was a lot of attention paid there. It was a lot of fun. Well, since you're talking about a lot of fun, uh, one thing that we've been seeing you've been taking part in and uh, having some great moments is the Dangle Navy team. And <laughs> we've already had two members of the Dangle Navy team on our podcast, uh, Ian Tullock and mm-hmm. Tic Tac Tomar, of course. Yes. Um, we want to just talk to you about your experience and then of course, leave the floor to you to smack talk your teammates. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, no, it's, it, man, it's such, it's such a blast. Like, uh, like for anyone who doesn't know what the Dangle Navy is, it's just, you know, a group of guys. It's me. It's, so it's me, Steve Dangle, um, Ian Tullick, James Myrtle, and then, uh, Omar as well. And then, um, three, uh, Nick James and, and Brady, who are, uh, you know, the three guys who I didn't know until I started playing with them. And now, you know, we, uh, now we, we talk every day, like it, in group chat and everything. It's great. And so, during like it, this, they started playing way, well before I joined, but um, I really joined at the start of quarantine when everything shut down and they were, you know, kind of instrumental. In, we all were, I think, instrumental in keeping each other sane during this time. Like we would play until, you know, three in the morning every night and when there was just nothing to do. Um, and then we eventually organized like a couple charity tournaments against, uh, you know, the Pete Blackburn and, and uh, Adam Wilde and Jesse Blake's team called the Extra Toasties and just absolutely clapped them. Uh, so that was easy. And then, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's just so much fun. Like we, we have, we have a lot of fun, uh, playing. I haven't played in a little while though, just cause I started to try and go to bed at a decent hour opposed to staying up until literally like the odd hours of the morning. Um, but they're always fun. The group chat's always going strong and it's just like, it's a great group of people to, to be around all the time. And it got me, you know, it got me really good at shell. I was never, never good at shell, but you're kind of forced to be because I started taking all these penalties at the start tripping penalties because this game is broken. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, I was a liability and so I kind of had to, to shape up. So it forced me to be, to be decent and I wouldn't even call myself good, but you know, it, it it's great. So yeah, I, I really look forward to them. Um, and the, the nights where Ian isn't com- a complete liability on defense, those are great. So you know, it's, it's just a, just a heartwarming uh, group of guys really love it. Absolutely, awesome. Yeah. Of course, of course. And yeah, I know just, just gaming in general could just be so fun. Um, we play with Omar um we play he's the best best. like we play uh you know fortnite uh call of duty with him stream it and yeah he's just hilarious to play with but have uh, we talked about his uh his phobia of sharks (laughs) yeah 
it's because of the because of Fortnite, right? Yeah. Like oh my god. Yeah, yeah it kind of became a a meme on my uh, stream with him. Uh, basically, the Fortnite sharks terrify him like every single time. Um, so it, next time you guys play together, make sure to um, tease him in some way with that. We were we were doing duos uh, at the start of quarantine, and <laughs> and oh, like Omar has is re it's really funny because you can't obviously you can't see the guy playing, you just hear him. And we this was our both our first time playing Fortnite in a while, and they changed this game so much mm -hmm. that they add like I didn't even know there was a shark in it until you guys uh, posted about it because I took like a month off or something. And we were doing this is when you know you were infiltrating um, the agency or whatever. We didn't even realize we were infiltrating. He's like, and he just was like screaming about a cat man around he's like the cat man's looking at me and he like was trying to and then he shot him but like you don't die like the cat man doesn't die really like you, you can pick him up and carry him and so then i just see him like hustling over these hills carrying this cat man i'm like what's going on like it was he's 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 such a fun guy to play with 100 percent um oh man that makes me want to play fortnite sometime <laughs> yes but, yeah, me too definitely soon but uh we'll move along now uh into of course uh the real topic uh, we want to talk about was uh the toronto maple leafs um, and now obviously with two weeks to kind of reflect on the Leafs loss, um, of course they lost their qualifying round against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, now we, I guess we can talk, <laughs> I know it never happened, right? Shocking. <laughs> um, but I mean, now we can talk about it with a, with a clearer mind. So first I want to ask, what were your overall impressions on the Leafs in that round? Um, not great guys. Uh, you know, it, they weren't, they weren't a good team. Like it, it they, well, they were okay. There's, it's, it's tough to clarify here. Like they were, they were good, obviously, and uh, they probably should have won that series just from the underlying numbers. But you just, you have to beat Columbus. You're spending, you know, what is it, like thirteen million dollars over the cap to to house a team of of offensive, you know, mercenaries, and you don't, and you're not able to, you get shut out twice. I don't care how elite, you know, quote unquote elite defensively or how or the Columbus Blue Jackets are. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like you have any team with Austin Matthews and John Tavares just alone on a roster should be capable of scoring at least one goal a game, and they didn't. Um, there, this was, at the end of the day, like, this was a flawed team through the entire season. We, we realized it. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people just kind of didn't want to, myself included, didn't want to kind of admit it going into this. But this is a flawed team. Like, they, they had so many holes just down the roster. And it, it was, like, when you really took a step back to think about it, like, can do you really envision, you know, a top four with Cody CC on the top pairing, you know, winning a cup or, or going three rounds deep or something like that. I, I just can't like, they were just, they, it seemed like they, they had a great, you know, obviously a great group up front, but they just, there were so many, you know, that meme of like, there's a crack in the wall and Seth Rogen's trying to put like duct tape over it. Mm -hmm. Like that was, that reminded me a lot of their blue line where it just, it was just this, this crack in their foundation and they kept trying to put the duct tape over it. And eventually it's just going to crumble. And it did. Um, so I, I, if anything, it's a good thing because it'll really get, it'll really force management to, to reconsider, you know, what, what they're doing, what the plan is, because I think there are a lot of things that they could have you know, improved on and, and tweaked as the season went on. Um, but yeah, it was, it, there's like the fact that even if they had won game five, the fact that it went to five games against Columbus is, is a little ridiculous. So yeah, just really, really disappointing. And, and this was the year, I, I mean, obviously there was expectations before, but the, the contention window is really like it'll be open for as long as Matthews is on this team, obviously, but you don't want to waste like the thing that everyone criticizes the Oilers for is wasting Connor McDavid's prime. And soon we're gonna have to if they don't start make if the Leafs don't start making some noise in the playoffs, we're soon gonna start having to have conversations about are the Leafs wasting Matthews prime because they need to get out of the first round and they didn't even make the playoffs this year. So 
yeah, very, really, really disappointing. Absolutely. I, it's been, it was definitely a very frustrating series. Uh, I mean, obviously, first of all, it's ridiculous that a team shoots under 2% at five on thrive for an entire series. My God, but I know. Cre- credit, credit to the Blue Jackets for playing a strong defensive game. Like we, They don't get enough credit for uh, how well they've been, been, been playing and they've been buying into Tortorella's system, and we saw that on full display during that series. But, I mean, when it comes to just that whole series, do you see that as a wasted opportunity, or did the Leafs just play like the team we think they are? Absolutely wasted opportunity. It's... They should have. They had. They had a prime, prime opportunity to actually make some noise, and not even like the thing is with the bubble is everything is so like it's just different. It, like they're, I don't know. They they were playing a Columbus team that they should have beaten. Um, they had more offensive firepower than them, and I think that that you know if they had capitalized on their chances more, um, they could have they could have at least outscored them you know, by a bit, like if you're able to score three goals in a minute or, or, you know, three goals in three and a half minutes or something to come back, then obviously you should do that. And then Tampa was banged up and Columbus was able, like Columbus, for example, they, they, they were able to take Tampa a couple games deep and five overtimes deep and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, and then it's kind of an open field. Like you, all you need is a hot goalie. And this was, this was a five game series. Like you, there was just, there was just so many, this was just such a wasted opportunity. Like when you have that much salary dedicated to, to, you know, your forward core and you have the pieces that the Leafs do, regardless of their weaknesses, you should be able to beat, you know, a team like that. You should, that should be able to give you an edge, even though you're the eighth seed or the ninth seed, you should be, you should never get upset. Um, and I really do think that the Leafs had, had, had a great opportunity to advance. They were, it's the bubble is being played in their city. They had their facilities open earlier than any other team. They had, you know, more players um, for organized workouts together than any other team um, to start off. And it just was all for nothing. Like what, like what, what advantage did that give you? It it gave you an even earlier exit than you did last year. So it's, it, it, this, there's no way to kind of chop it up. Like there's no moral victories here. It was just disappointing kind of across the board. And I know that's, that's a bit of a, you know, a sad thing to say or or you know morbid thing to say with this team uh considering they still have a ton of talent but i mean this was this was a year for them to actually make some noise they the, the management put together put this team together to make some noise and they did absolutely nothing yeah it's just pretty much a microcosm just how much of a wasted opportunity this whole season was and we'll get to that in a moment of course and of course because of this the the loss there's going to be some changes in the off season. but you mentioned austin matthews was being one of the bright spots in that series mm-hmm. Uh, that obviously would be my candidate for the MVP of the the series for them. But who impressed you besides him? And uh, as a whole, who disappointed you the most? Rich Martin disappointed me the most for sure. I mean, he was that was that was horrendous from him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's not even like you do have to take everything around him as context as well. You can't just it, it, when you when you have an, a negotiation like that when your team is is cap strapped to that to that extent because you decided i want to be paid like one of the best players in the league and then you're in a five game series against a lower seeded team and you have i think it's one even strength exists or one even strength point in five games you don't show up you admit to being disengaged in the first game that's just that's like un- absolutely unacceptable it's he should mitch marner a little off topic mitch marner had the opportunity to to skate by and be the most popular leaf possibly ever like to reach it to reach a level of of fame in this city a city that like if you if you give them anything they will love you forever um and have parades for eastern conference finals losses and the ability to 
to do that, become one of the most beloved um, figures in Toronto history. And he ruined it. And this mm-hmm. playoff series, like he has, like there, he will never regain. For example, my dad, I always use my dad as an example here because he's relatively informed, but he's also, he has enough uncle in him to, to still be, you know, a little cantankerous. And he, like, he loved Mitch before this. And now he, like, I, if I mention his name around me, he tells me to shut up. So it's <laughs> uh, like, it's, it's a little rough. So yeah, he, he disappointed me the most for sure. In terms of who impressed me the most, I mean, like Alexander Kerfoot had a good series, I think. Like specifically considering how lackluster his regular season was, I think he was able to kind of, you know, it, it made me more more confident um, in him having a bounce back year next year because of all the injuries he dealt with this year and, and just like more stability. Um, other than that, I mean, like the Leafs had a really John Tavares had a great series, obviously, but that's not you know like a, an underrated thing. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, like the I can't. And that's the problem. I can't really think of a leaf that that surprised me positively. Nick Robertson was great. I thought I thought the decision to to scratch um, I thought the decision I thought the decision to scratch him for Andreas Janssen, who hadn't played in you know five months or whatever, was a, it was a terrible idea and was maybe just a you know here's your last game as a leaf. Congratulations, like you can you can play in it. Um, but yeah, Nick Robertson was really good. But other than that, no one really impressed me. And I think that that kind of says more than anything. What about uh, Frederick Anderson? Where would you put him on uh, your scale? I think, okay, the raw numbers for Frederick Anderson say he had a great series. Like, you know, you can look at his save percentage and, and all that and says, wow, he was, he was really good. But again, Frederick Anderson was the second or even possibly third best goaltender in the series. Mm-hmm. And the, he is, the Leafs have never had their goaltender. They've never had Frederick Anderson steal them a series, steal them a playoff game. And you need that. When you're a Stanley Cup contending team, you need to have a goaltender who can steal you a game, who can maybe even steal you a series. The playoffs are just too much of a grind for you to get by without that. And he's just, I think what we're starting to realize now with Frederick Anderson is he's just hes just a good goaltender. And I think a lot of people thought he was going to be great or that he was great, but he's just fine. And the Leafs need more than fine, especially with, with, how, with the way that they play and with how little defensive support they, they have. They need a goaltender who can stand on his head. They need a goaltender who, who is just who is above that average and who can make up that sort of like aggregate between how well they push the play and how bad they defend the play. And Frederick Anderson just proved that maybe he's not up to that task. And he might be up to that task on a on a different team who gives him more uh, more support. But there's no way they re-sign him. And again, like mm-hmm. the the raw numbers were fine, and you know Frederick. You know, Freddie fans will say, "Oh, you had a you know nine three whatever save percentage, or maybe nine four, something like that." Cool, but the other goaltenders outplayed you, and at the end of the day, you can have great numbers. That's terrific. But if the if the team you can score a hundred goals in a game, terrific. But if the team has a hundred and one, you still lose. It doesn't matter. So, uh, yeah, that that's what happened. That's what happened with Freddie, and it's it's a shame because he's really well liked in this fan base, but he needs he he's. He's let in just these backbreaking goals in elimination games three straight years now, and you just you just can't do that for sure. And I got I got a couple just super quick follow up questions on that note um, about that. But I mean, first, like on the note of uh, Freddie Anderson, if the Leafs don't re-sign him, I mean, what kind of move do you think uh, the Leafs would have to make to re- make up for you know um, that that number one goalie uh, position opening up? Well, they, they'd have to go external, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think – I love Jack Campbell, but I think he's a really good kind of maybe 1B, but I, I don't think he can kind of step into a starter's job right now. Um, 
you really you would have to go externally and i don't really have the i don't have the uh the 2021 goaltending free agency mm-hmm. class in front of me um but like they're the two guys who are hitting the market this year robin leonard and uh and jacob markstrom and if you like i i would i would be supportive of leonard in as a leaf absolutely i think that mm-hmm. i think i think him and jack campbell would get along really well just from a personality standpoint and um, I think Leonard would really thrive in a media market like this. I think that he would have a lot of fun because he's very beloved and he seems to have really kind of changed his mind on a lot of very important things and is outspoken for mm-hmm. a lot of, co- a lot of good causes. Um, and he, I think he would be appreciative of the term that you would get to, cause he's never been given that, that, uh, that security. Um, so if you, if you can't, but the thing is like, would you be selling Frederick Anderson low? Um, if you if you trade him this offseason, which you would have to do if you signed a guy like Leonard, so there's a lot of a lot of balls up in the air. I think that the thing that the Leafs need to do, I mean, they're gonna have him. I think they're gonna have Freddie go into next season knowing that it's it's his last year, kind of in a JVR sense. This is last year. Um, just have fun, play it out. Maybe we can win a championship. You know, kind of go out. It's your swan song. Um, and the support that they can give him is getting better defensemen, doing something to support him in that in that regard. Um, because yeah, he, he just doesn't have that right now. So you next year is going to be the last for Frederick Anderson in Toronto. He had a really great stretch. He was the best goaltender I can remember um, playing for the Leafs since in terms of full-time starter since, I don't know, Ed Belfour maybe. So mm-hmm. um, that's terrific. You'll always have the, the regular season wins record, which is great too, but I, I just don't think he was good enough to, or I don't think he is good enough to get the Leafs over the hump. Mm. And then my second question uh, on that note is, uh, I mean, I'll just get it out of the way, of course, with, us knowing that Marner had a disappointing season. And I mean, so, you know, so much of the fan base is kind of against him right now. Um, do you see the Leafs taking any drastic moves again, like with Marner, or do you think they sit pat with him? Um, well, they, they're bringing him back, obviously. Like they, mm-hmm. they made him, um, yeah, they, they, they essentially made him that promise in, in the really disappointing um, exit interviews, uh, media you know, media availabilities or however you want to call them. Um, but I don't like, obviously they're not going to trade him, but at the same time, like why not? What didn't, okay. I know, sorry. I know this is really scatterbrained. I have a lot of thoughts on Marner. So the brain's going a million miles a minute, but essentially what I didn't understand is he, th- these players are so comfortable in Toronto, Marner included, like, like they've been given everything they have ever wanted. Think about it. Like every, Every roster piece that they need, every one last piece away from a complete team they need, Dubas has gone out and gotten them. You know, and he, every time they've asked, they've asked for more money, they've gotten it. And what have they given back in return? Matthews has returned, obviously, but like Marner, nothing. And so, if you by saying, "Yeah, you'll be back," we believe, like all that kind of stuff. Um, it just it doesn't. I don't think that he's earned the ability to, I don't think he's earned the benefit of the doubt to motivate himself. I think what he needs to do is he needs to say, he needs to to have kind of a come to Jesus moment of, I love being a Leaf. And if I don't kind of, you know, get myself together here, then I won't be a Leaf. And so that needs to be my motivation. I need to come back and have the best season possible. And mm-hmm. he hasn't really, and like, I think he kind of needed that fire to be lit under him. And by say, by essentially saying, oh yeah, we're not going to trade Mitch Marner. Oh no, Mitch Marner's going to be a Leaf here forever, blah, blah, blah that that's kind of again like at least adding some comfort to him and he doesn't he hasn't earned comfortability right now so i i i'm all about supporting your guys but dubas has done that to a fault at certain points and i don't think and i think with marner that was kind of a 
time to draw a line in the sand and he didn't. And I think that's a little concerning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It'll be very interesting to see what happens with Mitch Marner uh, going forward. Uh, but I just want to just do one last reflection of the 2019, 20 season, because this question has been on my mind for a while. I mean, we saw quite a lot of embarrassing losses for the Leafs and this season, especially there's been a couple of embarrassing losses we don't we don't we need fact, don't remind uh, us don't remind us <laughs> <laughs> i i just can mention a few embarrassing losses you probably know what i'm talking about but i want to ask you since we know that this season was just doomed from the start was there a <laughs> moment that you thought to yourself you know what maybe this team isn't what i th- what they're not going to do anything this year well there were so many points like i don't the thing is like i didn't think it was doomed from the start but there were so many signs that I think a lot of people just ignored, um, like right at the start of the season where it can be like, ah, you know, that's weird. But, you know, we, got, we still got a good team. It'll be fine. And then it, it all kind of came crashing down. Honestly, the, the David Ayers game, like I, I know that's a very cliche answer to say, but like you can't, you can't recover from that. Like you, there's everyone says, oh, the Columbus Blues or not Columbus, uh, the St. Louis Blues were, you know, in last place on January 1st or 31st or something, and then they won the cup. That's great, but they didn't lose to their AHL Zamboni driver on home ice on, the, on national television, and it just, like, I think at that point, when when they failed to kind of rebound from that, um, it just like that that was that was it. That was curtains for me. That's where I was like, this team is broken. Like they're not gonna. They just they have these fundamental flaws in them that will prevent them from reaching the success they could achieve. Um, that and also, like, the second time they got clapped by Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, like, uh, I think that was uh, not the Kaskasua one when, when Babcock was there, when essentially they used him as, a, like, a, a sacrifice. Um, but it was uh, when when Evgeny Malkin was a late... It, it was the birth of the Mark Donk meme, I think, where Evgeny Malkin was a, a late scratch before the game, and they brought in Anthony Agostino, I think it was, and he scored the first goal like a minute in. And I was just like, yeah, that's the most Leafs thing I've ever seen happen. And there's no, like, this team is cursed. It, there was, there were so many embarrassing, like, give your head a shake kind of losses that the Leafs had um, in the season that I can't even remember them all off the top of my head. But I think, but that one really stood out to me because it was just like, this is the narrative of so many years is coming. Like the prophecy is being fulfilled here. And it's just like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. I, I'd agree with you on that with the David Ayers game and that uh, second Penguins loss. Um, I mean, obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, this is much easier to say now. But going, but just looking back, I think the fact with, that they uh, started the season out with Mike Babcock was probably a huge mistake. And we we don't need to analyze the decision for the coaching for the coaching firing and hiring of Sheldon Keith. We already know that maybe it was the, not the right call to start the season with Babcock. But that's for me. Like, probably looking back, that was probably the wrong decision. Absolutely, that was undoubtedly. Like they started. We should have known that that the season was cursed from that moment. Like the, mm-hmm. that, Mike Babcock was not going to end the season as as the Leafs head coach. There was no way he like he he was he was he publicly him and the general manager didn't get along. Like they, uh, when an employee is just constantly like speaking out about the about his superior like that, about just like undermining him at every single turn, doing like these weird mind game political moves and playing a roster that's being built to be played one way in essentially the complete opposite direction, almost out of spite. And so to, to keep him around in a, in, a, in a season as important as this, and to, to essentially hand the keys to you know, your, your car to a guy who you know is not going to you know, drive it into the garage safely, 
it just does like that just made no sense to me and i'm not sure how much say dubas had had over that i want to give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was like overruled by someone i if that was his decision to be to say like you know let's give it another shot with mike after he took no accountability at the press conference the year before after he got out coached by bruce cassidy two seasons in a row after like he was a smart guy he, he watches the same hockey that we do and he has to know that you know the way that this team was being played wasn't you know it wasn't being played properly and so for him to to trust the team that he was trying to build with a guy who just he knew was going to sabotage it it was just absurd and to even wait that many games into the season to do it too i mean it just like there were so many flaws there were so many so many signs like everyone the writing was on the wall and it just seemed like they were dragging their feet and they randomly did it they randomly pulled the trigger on a you know i think it was like a random wednesday night and i was like what like it just it doesn't make any sense and uh yeah so that was a big misstep and if that if that i know everyone wants to talk about the, the you know the berry trade or you know uh, signing cc and all that but if that was dubis's call that was for sure his worst move of the offseason mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. couldn't agree more mm-hmm. couldn't um agree more. now i want to ask you about obviously heading more into the offseason um we kind of talked about you know what the leafs want to do with mitch marner but out of all the leafs likely can trade candidates the other ones you know um you know, Andreas Janssen, Kasper Kapanen, uh, Kerfoot, Dermott, you know, even William Nylander to an extent, even though I'm against that. Which one do you think could actually be on the move this offseason? I think Andreas Janssen's gone, like, already. Like, I, I think there's no... Essentially, what, what the Leafs have to kind of do with... with uh, William Nylander's not gone. I don't think that... I, I think that he's staying for sure. Like, there's no way that they're going to trade him. Mm-hmm. This is said he's not in the market for trading skilled players, and that's what Nylander is. But if you look at the three, like the, Ker- the Kerfoot, Kapanen, and the Janssen, they all make roughly the same amount of money, and Kapanen's a little younger, but they're all roughly in the 24, 25, 26 age range. You have to take a look at what they can bring to the roster, right? So, so Kapanen, he brings that speed, and no matter with all his other faults, and he has these other faults for sure, mm-hmm. I think that finding someone with an elite skill is probably the, the hardest thing in scouting to do. So if you have a guy like that, then I think you should at least – do as much as you possibly can with him. So, so like no matter what, no matter who they get back for Kapanen, their roster is slower when when they do that. And I think that that kind of harms them in the way they want to play. Um, mm-hmm. Kerfoot, I think he, I mean, the guy, the guy fractured his dental and facial bones at the start of the year, and people kind of forget about that, considering this was such a cursed season injury wise for the Leafs. Um, but he was drinking like Philly cheesesteaks through a straw for a lot, and he dropped a lot of weight at early in the season because of that. And he admitted, I think, in a piece of the athletic that it was tough for him to build that back up um, mid-season. And then he was also dealing with changing locations cha- from Colorado to Toronto and then also changing coaches mid-season and systems now, all that kind of stuff. So I think I think a summer would do him good. And if that and if you have a, a, a decent third-line center locked in for – he can play center if he proves that he can play center. And you have a decent third-line center locked in for another three years at $3.5 million, that's a that's a pretty good luxury to have. But then you look at Yonkin and you go, okay – what does like what's his special skill? I can't think of a special skill that he has. Okay, what's like he's a winger. He's he doesn't have the ability to play center. Okay, well, like that's that's Kerfoot's big kind of value is that if he can play center, he he really shores up a, a positional need for them. So what does he do? Like if you take Janssen out of the lineup, how much worse are the Leafs? And we've realized that they're not that much worse. In fact, they might even be better. I think Nick Robertson can can produce more as a rookie than Janssen could do. And that guy makes a fraction of you know a third of what he makes less and um and could maybe even either outproduce or match that production as a as an 18 19 year old so uh yeah i i really think that 
that Janssen is the most expendable one of the bunch. And if you can get any value for him, and I think you can, because he's at the end of the day, he's, he does have a 20 goal season under his belt and he's locked into term at like a, a decent price point, 3.5, but still like, it's not, it's not terrible. Then I think you pull the trigger on it because you might not be able to get like a stud defenseman back, but we also remember the Leafs don't have a ton of draft picks. So if you can re, kind of restock that draft cupboard with a guy who's essentially a, a surplus asset for you, go do it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I guess this is this goes ties into our next question because one of the things the Leafs are going to be doing this offseason is just taking a serious look at their roster and determining is this good enough. And I think we can all agree that it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. And there will go, is going to be some changes. And I guess what I want to say is what do you think are the underlying issues with the Leafs and what can they do to try and correct it? I mean, that's the million dollar question, right? Like they're First of all, their their underlying issues are they don't have right shot defensemen they, at all. I, the last, other than uh, other than re-signing and uh, you know like a, the last right shot defenseman that they signed at an NHL level was Roman Polak when they brought him back. Like you know, Mac Hollowell doesn't count, and they traded for Barry and and re-signed Hall and stuff. Like they need right shot defensemen. Doesn't like. They they just do. You can't keep playing. You can't keep you know playing a guy like Cody Cece on the top minutes. I think he's gone for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you can't like Justin Hall is is best suited as a third third pairing guy. It's fine, but you you do need to bring like some balance to your blue line for sure. Uh, you can't. They just. I know the Leafs want to play one way, um, and that's you know very skill and, and forward you know forward thinking all that kind of stuff. But you do need like you need if they had a right shot Muzzin, they'd be they'd be prime. They'd be great, but they don't, and they need that. Um, other one is as much as like this has become such a played out narrative, but there is some truth to it. They do need to get a little tougher, like it, and it's not tough in the sense of you need to fight. Like we've seen that anyone can fight. Jason Spezza can fight. You know, anyone can fight. But I'm talking about like when you go into a corner with someone in the playoffs, that person hates their life. And that and that person, it just grinds on them in a playoff series across seven games. Pierre-Luc Dubois, yeah, he's a really dirty player. But I guarantee you the Leafs, and, and I don't condone anything that he does, but I guarantee you that the Leafs woke up every morning they were about to play the Columbus Blue Jackets and they went, oh man, we got to deal with Dubois. Or, oh man, you know, we got to deal with when they're playing Boston, Marchand, or not even Marchand, but like a DeBrusque even, like a guy like that who... It's just like so annoying. It's a pain in the ass to play against. The Leafs need guys like that. They need players who will piss off the other team, who will stand up for for players. Like, do you have any idea how many times I saw Frederick Anderson get get snowed, knocked over, you know, kind of clowned by other players, and no one did anything? Like, at a certain point, stand up for your teammates. Like, you don't have to. I, I don't advocate for you know violence, but like, uh, show some passion, show some fire. Um, so they need some of that as well, and. Now, now they have two good goalies, so I think that's great. Like, uh, they wouldn't have had to play Columbus if uh, Michael Hutchinson wasn't the goaltender at the start of the year if they had shored this up earlier. Um, so that would be a, that would be uh, you know something that would that would harm them before. But they they need it, again. It's so cliche, but they need more balance to their blue line. They need to to sign guys who can not only move the puck but who can defend, who don't have these glaring flaws in their games. Like if you look at a guy like Martin Marincin, for example, yeah, he's good at one thing, and that's like preventing zone entries. Mm-hmm. If you, but his biggest flaw is a pretty big one in that when he has the puck on his stick, it's, it's a grenade. It's terrible. He harms your team. If you have just a a decent, fine de- depth defenseman to add to your roster, preferably 
shooting, a guy who doesn't doesn't harm you. I think that would go so far with the Leafs. They have the forward talent that they their defense doesn't need to be outstanding. It just needs to be okay. It needs to be good enough. It needs to be the 17th best blue line in the league. And right now they have like the 29th. And yeah, there a lot of those things. And they also need to bring in Boost Boudreau as assistant. I mean, come on. Like it's like come home. Do it. It's not every day you get to live out a childhood dream. And their power play was terrible. Um, I, I don't know what was going on there. I don't know what the disconnect was between Paul McFarlane and, and the team. But if you, if you get that power play firing in all cylinders again, I think, and I think Boudreaux can do that, then boom, there you go. You're, you're golden. Per- yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned Bruce Boudreaux. Like, we've been talking a lot lately, or at least just online talk has been about is this rumor legit or Pete fans being too excited over a, a, a free agent coach being available? I mean, now that we're seeing like some, some rumors coming out, especially a couple of days ago when James Merle said, the least actually tried to reach out to the wild mm. and no, while no meeting took place, there was some mutual interest. So I guess now that what I'm saying is if Bruce Boudreaux does come to Toronto, which at this point doesn't seem like a realistic possibility, but if he does, what do you think he's going to bring to this team? I think I think above all else, he'll bring a sense of levity to it. I mean, I like I don't know who what kind of person Paul McFarlane is, but Bruce Boudreaux, I mean, he has experience dealing with uber talented um, offensive players who are also un- unique personalities, and we've seen that in Washington. You know, we even you know a little bit in in um, even a little bit in in Anaheim when he was back there. You know, with uh with guys like Getzlaff and Perry. Uh, I think he's just I think brings a, a sense of levity and respect with him. Like you players respect Bruce Boudreaux. They want to play for him. He's a fun guy. And if he's allowed to be able to, to be kind of the fun uncle, if he's, he doesn't have to be the dad, doesn't have to be the disciplinarian, but if he's the fun uncle who can really unlock those, those, you know, those, the talents and the powers that um, the Leafs have up front, I think he'll be beloved. And that's, I think that's the biggest draw is that he doesn't, if he were to come home, he doesn't have to deal with, all the sort of just all the all the malaise that you have to the logistical stuff you have to deal with when you're a head coach when you, you have to set the practice schedule you have to set you know what time the travel schedule you have to deal you know what are you going to fly in the night before or the or the night or the night of you know are you going to sleep this kind of stuff like he doesn't have to deal with all that he can just focus on improving the team on the ice and having fun with the with the players and maximize their talents I think that that would be something that's that's really like it would just add so much to this team that clearly needs they clearly haven't proven that they can govern themselves and I think Boudreaux would be that perfect kind of hybrid of they respect him so they stay in line but also he's able to have fun and he also just he's he's a really good offensive coach and I think that the results will kind of speak for themselves of course of course absolutely and uh you touched on um you know the Leafs need for a right-handed uh defenseman and also a bit of toughness and that's kind of uh you know, kind of ironic because it goes kind of without saying that the uh, Barry Kadri trade didn't really work out for the Leafs. Um, have your views on that trade uh, changed at all now that the season is over? Um, my views when the trade happened was that I think the Leafs won it. And if you looked at it on paper, I mean, they got a half-retained Barry Kerfoot thrown in there. And yeah, Kadri was great. But I think I think no matter what, like everyone's, you know, the referendum on him is out now and that Everyone's saying, oh, you know, we, why do we trade Kadri? We needed him back. You know, look, he's thriving in the playoffs. Yeah, but you can't, like, if the Leafs went into a, another series and they went into another series with him and he did, he did that again, 
like you can't, you, there's no coming back from that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you needed to, you needed to trade him there. Um, but just it, this trade worked out at, I think as poorly as they possibly could have imagined. And my, my thoughts from the end of the season, my thoughts now are the exact same. Like it was a failure. Like Trav, uh, Travis Tyson Barry wasn't, he just wasn't a fit. He should have been a fit. He wasn't a fit. And he was never, he was never used properly right off the bat. His, his acclimation process was completely stunted and he was forced to kind of change systems and change coaches and regain confidence mid-season that I think he was never able to. And although I'm a little disappointed that he wasn't able to kind of use the, you know, the months-long kind of quote-unquote off-season that the players got while, while they were on pause to, to reboot and earn himself some money in free agency, to be quite frankly, um, or to be quite honest, sorry. Um, it just was a shame like that, that, uh, that, that he was kind of treated the way that he was and that they kind of botched that transition process and Dubas admitted that. So... It, it just it just worked they the Leafs can't afford to swing and miss on on trades like this and just through whatever circumstances it was it just didn't work out and it really really hurt them this season for sure um of course and uh going back to coaching i just want to ask who do, who do you think uh maybe joining keith behind the bench uh for next season i mean you would like to see brudrow obviously i mean mm -hmm. that hack is still there and he would, if, I think, honest, I think he's a missing piece. Like, I think he really would bring everything that the Leafs need. And if he's actually intrigued by this, then that means that, that means that there's, there's fire where the smoke is. I mean, he, he could, he's a head coach, but with the pandemic, with him getting up in age, um, it just, I, I think it would be the perfect scenario for him to really just be able to, to live his best life and really give the Leafs what they want um, and what they need, quite frankly. So, yeah, uh, I, I see. I see it actually happening. This isn't just rumor fodder to me. I think that there's there's a decent possibility that he can do this. Mm -hmm. That would be that would be probably one of the, the most exciting things of this off season. And just, that would be. I think it's it's one of those things where, as Lee fans, we, I remember back when uh, the John Tavares uh, saga was uh, at its climax, and everyone was like, "Oh, there's no way he's going to join the team." Like I felt the same way. I did not believe he was going to sign. Until I saw the room, the, the post saying he signed. It's one. It would be one of those moves. It'd be up there as like one of the, the happiest moments in recent Leafs history. And I guess maybe it would be up there if not for maybe a certain other defenseman signing. But we don't need to get into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess maybe what I'm trying to say is let's let's just before we wrap up this Leafs talk. Who do you, what what do you think would be the most ideal move the Leafs can make in the off season? In terms, like, are we talking, like, real life, or are we talking, like, you know, fantasy move? I guess we could say, let's do one fa fantasy move and then one realistic move, like, from trade perspective. Oh, from a trade perspective. I mean, I think, like, he's been linked to the Leafs. I think getting a guy like Radko Gudis would be great. Like, I, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to change your life, but I think he's kind of what they need. Mm -hmm. um, so that'd be fantastic. Uh it's a very weird time in that like the the cap is staying flat a lot of a lot of teams are hesitant to to spend money all you know because of of the economic impacts of all this um so a lot of these players who think they're going to cash in big over the summer i don't think are at least on a long term basis i think if they if they take not like you know bottom bottom barrel salaries but just like team friendly deals that are that are short term uh, like if it's not going to happen, but if the Leafs really want to take a swing for it and essentially trade a bunch of guys to clear some room and then say, look, Alex Petrangelo, for example, 
you just got like you depending on what happens tonight like you just got bounced in the playoffs you are our missing piece sign a one-year two-year contract with us we'll, we'll give you all these all these resources and you can play with a team that that needs you and become a legend in your home city you know stuff something like that i that's obviously a fan fantasy talk but that would be i mean that that's ideal right there and i think with the pandemic as unrealistic as it is it's not as unrealistic as it would be without it so yeah, uh, I, that would be you know the most ideal offseason move. But at the same time, like the most ideal lifestyle move for me is if a if a you know Bugatti just showed up outside my door right now. So it's you know that we're that's what we're talking about. So, but in ter- at least with the least, their their best case scenario is a little more likely than mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I'd say so. Um, want to ask one more hockey question, and then I want to just talk about some Raptors for a little bit. Um. So the Stanley Cup playoffs are kind of in full swing. There's two more series left. One, both of them could be over by tonight, or one of them could could, could be extended to a seventh game. But now that we have a better idea of what the playoff uh, like looks, uh, picture looks like, who do you think is going to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, and who do you think is going to win it? I mean, the uh, I think the uh, the thing the the outcome that would be best for the sport would clearly be Colorado Tampa. That would be so much fun. That would be like two gladiators just going at each other. It would be the best for the sport because those are the two most um, like high octane, offensive, um, fun teams together uh, playing against each other for the world to see. So that and those are my two picks. I think like they they're both incredibly talented. I I want to see what Colorado does. Um, I want to see what Colorado does when their backs against the wall because they haven't been challenged at all yet. Um, so that would be a lot of fun. But no, I, I that those are my two picks for sure. Like I'm not I'm not making any uh, I'm not you know making any left field choices. We've already seen get, people get burned for that, especially in in you know the bubble. So yeah, the Colorado and uh, and Tampa lock them in for me. And at that point, I don't care who wins. I just want to see I want to see the the product of what they're going to bring on the ice. For sure, for sure. I think that'd be the most ideal one for me too. Um, Maybe the only other one I would like to see is maybe Vegas versus Philly. I don't know. Something just about those two teams would make for a fun. Oh yeah, for sure. I I would love to see Philly in the finals. Um, They're a really fun team to watch as well. Yeah, no, Philly. Philly is great. I mean, the fact that that they've let Montreal push them as far as they have right now is a little concerning. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that I I think that if you're a, a good enough team to make the Cup final, then what is it, the 23rd, 24th seeded team in, in the playoffs shouldn't be able to, or 22nd, I'm not sure what they are, should be able to push you that far. But no, they're, they're, they're so much fun. And Carter Hart's a star. Um, Sean Couturier is finally getting kind of like the, the national love that he deserves. Um, Travis Connecting is a lot of fun too. It's just, it's just great. Of course. And uh, before we close out our, uh, our little discussion here, um, I wanted to kind of put on a brighter note here. I know, uh, Although you're not an NBA analyst, you're an NHL analyst, but I know you do love uh, the Toronto Raptors and basketball. So uh, uh, we wanted to ask you a couple questions about them. Uh, um, but, um, I mean, of course, they're doing great this season. But how far do you think the, the Toronto Raptors will go? They can go all the way if they want to. Like, this is they, – they are – people say that, you know, oh, they're not that talented, blah, blah, blah. No, like, this is a, this is a very talented team. And – they they have they just have this buy-in, this complete, unflinching, um, you know, un unabetted buy-in to each other. They believe in themselves. They believe in the their ability to uh, to be. They believe in the fact that they are champions. They believe in their ability to be champions again. And 
when you look at the Eastern Conference, like you know, wh- like the Bucks. I mean, yes, they got they got spanked in their you know in their first game and in sort of the Raptors last year. But the Bucks, like they don't. Giannis is great, but they're not unbeatable. And like, mm-hmm. especially in a series, even even you know without Kawhi taking over, like there are players that are stepping up. And Boston's great too, but they don't scare me. Like it, the Raptors are, they're just so deep, one through fifteen. They can throw anyone out there, and it's 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 they they work well within their system. They clamp teams down. They they infuriate them defensively. They execute their systems perfectly. They're just they're exactly what a basketball team should be. And while I don't think that they, they are going to necessarily win um, uh, uh, the championship this year, I think that they can they can at least make the finals for sure. And look, we've seen when you get into the finals, like anything can happen. Like you, you know, everyone counted the Raptors out against the Warriors mm-hmm. last year, and then look what happened. You know, injuries can happen. You know, uh, bounces can happen. Um, it's this is this is just such an exciting team, and they are essentially on cruise control against the against the Nets and destroying them. So I'm I'm really really interested to see what happens next. This is, who knows what what they could do, but I think that finals f- finals for sure they can mm-hmm. do that. Isn't it so yeah. refreshing, like having a, a like even playoff a playoff sport where you're not having to stress about every game? Like I was telling Michael about this even before we start recording, but also given the fact that they're playing afternoon games, it's almost like you feel like it's not really playoff basketball because also you kind of just sit back and you know the the Raptors are just gonna kill it. But yeah, like I have, I have, I expect them to win now. I have faith and they've earned it. Like that, that's, that's the, that's the thing. This team has earned the benefit of the doubt. This team has earned, you know, you to think that, they, that it's going to be the best possible outcome. And isn't like, that's beautiful. I can't remember the last Toronto sports team that's done that. Yeah. It's crazy. I remember in, even in game two, when they were down for most of the game, you know, I, I was just like, I had like no doubt that they'd come back. I was just waiting for, you know, they're going to, they're going to come back like any second now, like, like and, and it wasn't just me, you know, giving myself false hope. Like I actually like knew it. That's a crazy mm, no, feeling. No, for sure. Yeah. You know, speaking of players that we have faith in, uh, Fred Van Fleet had has been excellent in these uh, in the bubble so far. And just, at the time of recording this, we're now a few hours removed from uh, their win against the Nets, and they're up three zero in their series. In that game, Van Fleet scored a buzzer, a pretty impressive buzzer beater. And there's been talks about like what's what's going to be the future for him and his contract. I guess what I want to ask you, Mike, do you think he's going to get these the max? I uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if like, yeah, I think he can get the max for sure. I, I it just really kind of depends on you know, what the Raptors can do and if he wants to stay in Toronto. Like, uh, I think that there's some finagling they can do. the The team, you know, is making money. They can clearly, you know, spend as as high in the luxury tax as possible. Um, but yeah, Van Vliet, especially if he has like a, if he keeps up what he's doing in in the playoffs. Like if he keeps that up for you know three four rounds deep, then absolutely he's a max player. Like there, we've seen players get, we've seen players get max that didn't deserve it, and, and Van Vliet is better than them. So, yeah, I think I, will will he take a discount to say to Toronto? I think you know of any of the the upcoming free agents who might be able to do that, he's the most likely. But he likes to bet on himself, and he you know it's worked out pretty well from so far. Uh, who knows? But I think that he has a great situation in Toronto. He's got a young family that's settled here. Um, this is a system that. You know, utilizes him properly. So yeah, works sure. out great for sure. Um, I I can't wait to see what happens there. But I mean, let's just hope you know he stays a Raptor. But my last question on the Raptors for you is, uh, I mean, just like you kind of have that connection with Trevor Moore. Are there any um Raptors players or basketball players that you really like uh, in particular? Oh man, I mean, 
I I love Serge Ibaka like as a as a person and as a player as well. I think he is just he is the ultimate. We we talk about locker room guy. He is the ultimate locker room guy. I think that he is like if you ever want to build like a championship culture, if you ever want a team to like each other, if you ever want you know to be there to be levity, but also like an intensity and, a, and an accountability in there. You keep Serge Ibaka. I don't care. I'm like I'm glad that I'm not you know Masai Ujiri because I don't have to make a decision on his contract or anything. But I'm like I don't care how much he declines. I don't care what like you know whatever. Am whatever he wants, and as well, I, I'm I'm in love with Marcus Saul. I love. I think I'm really a big fan of just smart basketball players, guys who who elevate a team through maybe like unseen ways. Like he's not going to score, you know. He's not going to put up, you know, a double double every night. He's not going to do all that. But he's just such a smart, both defensive and offensive um, player, especially for a big man. And I I think that you know his acquisition, the leap that the leaps, the Raptors don't win. Uh, the championship without him, mm-hmm. there's no way. So I love him too. I hope he's. I hope he stays. I hope there's there's a way he can stay. And also for this season as well, I've been really impressed with um, uh, Rondé Hollis Jefferson. I mean, he just he was unable to shoot kind of when he came to the to the Raptors, and he was a very raw guy. And a lot of people forget that Nick Nurse called him and Stanley Johnson out right at, pretty much right at, mm-hmm. after their first uh, practice and training camp to say, you know, we hold ourselves to a standard here that. These guys need to kind of learn, and he has done that. And he is a poster child too of like, you know, you you plug a guy, a, a raw kind of un, unpolished uh, prospect or or you know tweener kind of player into the Raptor system, and they turn into into a gem. It's almost like kind of what the Patriots do, where they just know how to use players properly. So I'm a big fan of all those guys. The Raptors. This is the most likable team in Toronto sports history. I think like the, sure. this mm-hmm. not not even with Kawhi last year. I'm talking about this the 2019-20 Raptors. That just the 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 buy-in from all these players. None of them are spectacular, but they all do what they need to do so well, and they can all step up in absences. And even without Kawhi, even with all the injuries they faced this year, they were never health, fully healthy this season. They just got these contributions from these you know unlikely sources. I am all in on this Raptors team. I love them. Hundred percent. Same here. Uh, it's just all, an, it's been an amazing in. season. Yeah. I guess the only way to end this interview is just to ask you. Um, if you were somehow invited to be on Sergi Baca's show, how hungry are you? Would you take it, or would you back <laughs> out? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I wanna, I wanna hang out with Sergi Baca as much as possible. Like, I don't care what weird body part he makes me eat from an animal. <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat. He's so much fun. I wouldn't even pay attention to what I'm eating because he, he'd be, you know, probably chirping me or doing something like that. He'd be great. That is. Like that is my if my on my bucket list. I think the two things at the top are to be on hot ones and to be on how hungry are you. And I think I'm probably gonna kick the bucket without doing either of those. But it would be so great if I could. That would be insane. That that would be a dream. Um, but yeah, first, uh, I mean, we want to thank you for coming on. Those are pretty much all our questions. We have one more. Uh, we'll ask you soon. But at first, I want to ask you. I mean, I want to tell you. Uh. You know, thank you for coming on the show uh, today and, and giving us your time. Oh no, absolutely, guys! Like, yeah, I, I love what you guys are doing. I, you know, it's it's great that you guys are, are making your own content. And if I can help in any way, or if, you know, it's just fun to chat with you guys. So, absolutely, like, I'll, I'll be back whenever you need me. Of course, thank Thanks, you, man. thank you Appreciate so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, our last uh, question is, uh, of course, we, we put out a tweet about uh, listener questions, but we got one um, from uh, who other but then uh, Tic Tac Tomar, Omar. 
and he says this is very important um but he wants to ask you what did it cost um and my answer to that would be everything there there you have it there you have it (laughs) not gonna explain (laughs) the context behind that uh the listeners are just gonna have to figure it out for themselves Mm -hmm. but omar knows Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) very nice okay (laughs) <laughs> but yeah thanks so much for coming on man and um yeah we hope you have a great day i uh, really appreciate everything and all your insight first guys thanks so much for having me on i, I love what you guys do and uh, yeah if you ever need me back just i'm i'm a i'm a text message or a, a dm away awesome of course man thank you very much uh before you go why don't you uh, plug in your social so people know mm-hmm. where to find you sure yeah so i'm, I'm at mikey stevens 81 on twitter and uh you check out my stuff at uh, yahoo sports and uh you know uh, we do live laugh lease which is not so much leaf centric now because they got bounced, but it's on YouTube and on uh, all podcast apps you could possibly find. And yeah, it's, it's great stuff. I'm proud of it. And hope you guys can check it out. Mm-hmm. And definitely check out his uh, work on Yahoo sports. Uh, uh, I saw your uh, new article on uh, the pros and cons of trading the, uh, the, 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 you know, the trade candidates that we actually spoke about on this uh, podcast. So check that out. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. back and man what a great interview that was with mike stevens of course uh thank you once again to mike for coming on and uh we just love that that was so insightful and just so fun we definitely have a lot of respect for mike because he was our former boss at header and leaf like we mentioned at the top of the uh, interview uh great guy great to talk to uh definitely check out his work if you haven't already and listen to his live laugh leaves podcast that what's called yeah yeah, I yeah. Think it's a play on on uh, on the uh, saying "live, laugh, love." I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> great. It's a great podcast. I've it listened is. to it a few mm-hmm. times. I definitely recommend it if you haven't listened to it yet. For sure, and check out his work, of course. Um, but we're gonna close out soon. There's one more topic we didn't talk about. Well, two topics, but they're, they're kind of the same mm-hmm. topic that we didn't talk about off the top of the podcast. That I want to quickly. I want to know your impressions first, but of course. The NHL draft lottery happened the day after the Toronto Maple Leafs were eliminated. And of course, the Toronto Maple Leafs were in that draft lottery. And as we know, the New York Rangers won the first overall pick and they, you know, they did it live. We saw the ball come out. I just want to know what was your first reaction? Well, it was, uh, I didn't have any expectations going to that draft lottery because I was not expecting at least to be there. And maybe once it, once it became clear that they were out, I was like, if they win, great. If they don't, it's whatever. This are just another reminder that the season was cursed. But I think once I saw the video of the the ball, like the Leafs ball hitting the top and then going, not making it all the way up, and then the range ball swooping in, it just brought back PTSD flashbacks of the Tavares shot that hit the post. You know, yeah. it's super frustrating. Oh yeah, this and team it, is super frustrating to watch. Shout out, um, Corwin, our boy Corwin from. Uh... Yes. bar down who we had on this podcast earlier on with the uh, other bar down guys but he po- he actually posted that video that kind of blew up the uh the leafs ball basically just missed it and yeah <laughs> it's just a little ptsd there but yeah i mean i'm with you i mean we never really i don't think as leafs fans or even i, I don't think any leafs fans really have had any expectations that they'll actually win in fact if you'd asked me that day i actually 
for some reason I had, you know, well, not even for some reason. The reason is that they always win it, but I, I felt like the Oilers will somehow win it and everyone will be mad. Um, it was just like an inev- inevitable thing for me, but I don't mind the New York Rangers winning it. Um, I don't think they're exactly the most deserving team of uh, out of the out of the bunch, but um, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see Alexi Lafreniere um, play for the Rangers next season. It's still a great mm-hmm. city to play for, and oh, yeah. uh, we'll see how that pans out. Um, and then the second draft lottery actually happened yesterday, and that's the NBA draft lottery. And mm-hmm. um, kind of a weaker draft this this year, but a lot of hype, especially given uh, Lamelo Ball. Um, I've been talking about him throughout this season. Of course, I've been pretty high on him since he was in high school, but um yeah i mean of course he's a very raw prospect where will he go and the minnesota timberwolves won the first overall pick and then golden state dropped second and the charlotte hornets uh got the third pick and i just want to know what do you think of that order okay just a full disclaimer i did was not able to watch the draft lottery yesterday i only found out about it uh because matt matt told me Mm -hmm. and my immediate reactions were that of disbelief and groaning because <laughs> I guess if you're an NBA fan and you see the draft results, Minnesota is not the team you think of that deserve maybe deserves a first overall pick. But I also find it kind of hilarious when you think back to that uh, trade that they made with the Warriors. What was it for Wiggins? Yeah, for, uh, for D'Lo, for D'Angelo yeah. Russell. Yeah. Is is this like karma for that trade or something? Is that is this like the NBA, the basketball god saying to the to the Warriors, no 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 no, <laughs> like much much tumble, no no no, you shouldn't have done that. And this is them like, yep, we're giving it to Minnesota. But I mean, for Minnesota, honestly, they don't really need this pick, but I think it would definitely help them. And I think Timberwolves are probably the the team that like that we had so much expectations for them. There's so much hope for them to really develop into one of the top teams in the West. And they just, for whatever reason, have never really fully lived up to those expectations. Hopefully this, this first overall pick, whoever they take, uh, will help them get them there. And I, cause I think it'd be great to see Minnesota mm-hmm. play well again. Cause I, Minnesota deserves a, like Minnesota deserves a good sports team. That's yeah. Sure. And I, for sure. I, I, I get what you're saying when, when you say like, they don't, they're not the most deserving team of it. I get it because it's because they've had so many opportunities. They shouldn't be, a losing team at this point you know after having both andrew wiggins and carl anthony towns on their team and they even had jimmy butler at a certain point and just didn't work they should not have to be down here again um but it is what it is and they deserve a chance to win so that's that but if we're talking teams that should have won that deserve to win three teams immediately come to mind and that should have been charlotte because they've just been they they don't really have a, you know a bonafide star they've been they've been they've had a good season with who they do have though um the bulls the bulls uh, are due for a first pick after they've picked 7th for the last few years and then <laughs> the biggest joke in the nba unfortunately the new york knicks who just cannot <laughs> win they cannot win games they cannot win a playoff spot and they cannot win a draft lottery either they also can't win free agency <laughs> that too they just can't win and, you know, I really feel for the New York Knicks fans because, you know, us living here in Toronto, especially with the Toronto Maple Leafs, is kind of very similar, a very similar scenario. But I think even worse for them because they don't even win the draft lottery or even make the playoffs once. Mm-hmm. Um, it just doesn't go their way. So those those teams, you know, I kind of wish they, they, they would have gotten in. But we'll see how it pans out. 
Um, in terms of the Warriors, they, they either way, they ended up with a great pick. Of course, they're trying to contend right now. So they could either, the rumors are that they could either trade that pick to try and get, you know, someone even better to contend right now. Or, you know, I'm thinking James Wiseman is a center, a cheap center, could be a star center, a young one, and they need a center. So either way, if they pick him, that would be great too. You know what? I was just thinking of something. Do you, can we say, can we confidently say now that the Timberwolves are the Edmonton Oilers of the NBA? I think it's, I mean, <laughs> yeah, in, given in terms of lottery luck, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of having the best player, um, not not quite, oh, but, yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. In terms of lottery luck, they've had a lot of lottery luck. And I, I really just do hope that they can find success very soon. And hopefully this number one pick, uh, assumingly going to be, you know, one of Anthony Edwards, uh, LaMelo Ball or James Wiseman. Um, hopefully that they make a big impact on that team. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, something to think about maybe for uh, NHL fans that want to get into basketball, especially Leaf fans that don't really want to watch the Leafs right now. This would be a good introduction. We could maybe provide that for them. Maybe in a future episode. Do you want a good uh, comparison between two teams? I mean, I've compared the, we've compared the Oilers and the Timberwolves. We've compared the Leafs and the, uh, and the Knicks. How about yep. the Bulls and the Oilers? Both are two teams who, you know, had a dynasty with the greatest player to ever play their respective sports. And mm-hmm. then they haven't been able to do anything since then. I mean, given, I mean, uh, the Bulls had a great team with led by Derrick Rose, but of course that didn't go as planned. And even the Oilers had, you know, a great team back in 2006 that made the finals. But again, they didn't win. Um, but and then they've, you know, unfortunately, both teams have fell kind of to the bottom of the league for the last decade almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there's a comparison I was thinking about the other day. Go for it. Yeah. So that that, that was that Bulls and Oilers kind of there you go. similar in a lot of ways. But uh, right. yeah, with that, I think we'll close it out. Yes, uh, that was a, that was a fun little thing. But if you like that segment that we just did, let us know. We might might bring, maybe bring it back because I, I love talking about basketball just as much as I love talking about hockey. And they're See, a lot they're a lot more similar than in a lot of ways. They're similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. just because they play eighty two games and, and a lot of the teams play in the same arenas. Mm-hmm. And they're in, in the same between the same months. Yep, exactly. But yeah, let us know what you think of that segment. If there's any other segments you want us to do, we'd always love to come up with new ways to keep the podcast fresh and interesting. And it's, we always like let's, we'd like to hear from you guys. Uh, if there's any questions you have for us, please give us a shout out. Uh, you obviously know my Twitter handle is at the least IMO. And mine Matt. is uh, at Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. You can find us both on Twitter there and you could tweet us, uh, message us, uh, you know, anything. Uh, and uh, just, uh, yeah, give us feedback there. We're, we're available there at any time. And thank you for listening. Uh, we'll close it out here. So we'll see you guys next week. Take care, guys.